Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Confluence Cast presented by Columbus Underground. We are a weekly Columbus-centric podcast focusing on the civics, lifestyle, entertainment, and people of our city. I'm your host, Tim Fulton. This week, the role of our elected officials is largely known to us. This is less true for our county commissioners. Franklin County Commissioner Erica Crawley joins the Confluence cast this week to discuss what the commissioner's office does, her background, and how she translates advocacy into her role on the board for the largest county in the state. You can get more information on what we discussed today in the show notes for this episode at theconfluencecast.com. Also, the Confluence cast is on Patreon. Find out how to support this podcast on our website, theconfluencecast.com, or at patreon.com slash confluence. The Confluence Cast is sponsored this week by the Mid-Ohio Regional Planning Commission, or MORPSI, featuring stories about local and regional partners that envision and embrace innovative directions in economic prosperity, transportation, sustainability, and an inclusive central Ohio. Morpsey's transformative programming, innovative services, and public policy initiatives are designed to promote and support the vitality and growth in the region. For more information, please visit morpsey.org. Enjoy the interview. Sitting down here virtually with Franklin County Commissioner Erica Crawley. Commissioner Crawley, how are you? I am well, living the dream. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Thank you for sitting down today. I know this is a a busy time for you. I can't imagine there are many times that aren't. Can you walk us through for folks that aren't aware sort of what the role, I think folks are very well aware of, we have a mayor, we have a city council, we have a governor, we have a state legislature even. Walk us through sort of what the role of the county commission is, maybe broadly uh, how it's defined in the state, and then what may be unique to Franklin County? Absolutely, Um, and I love that this is the first question um, because I spend a lot of time trying to educate people on um, the function of the Board of Commissioners or what a county commissioner does. Um, And sometimes people get it, you know, confused and be like, oh, you're a council member. So people absolutely (laughs) know their city council as they should. It is like the thing that's near, right near to them and impacts them every day. But um, a commissioner and the Board of Commissioners uh, does as well. And we are the administrative arm of county government and the fiduciary of county government. So um, what a commissioner is tasked with under the Ohio Revised Code is um, approving all of the administrative functions and financial uh, functions for county government, even for other elected offices. So whether that's your county auditor, your county treasurer, your county, your sheriff, the prosecutor, um, the recorder, uh, even to common pleas court, as well as the law library, we uh, approve their financial budgets every single year. Um, We also are tasked with um, administration. So we hold county property. Uh, The coroner's uh, forensic science center is owned by the county commissioners. The common police court is owned by the county commissioners. The sheriff's vehicles are owned by us. 
Um, and we are responsible uh, per state statute to run a jail. And so we have two uh, right now. One is the downtown jail as well as um, Jackson Pike. And we are currently building a brand new jail out on Fisher Road. And so those are the like high level administrative um, and fiduciary tasks that we have. Um, we are responsible for 35 county agencies um, like I said, some of those are other, uh, all of the county elected officials as well. But under the Board of Commissioners, we run 14 BOC agencies, and that is everything from the dog shelter, the sanitary engineer's office, um, and more familiar with people is job and family services, where you can get your SNAP okay. benefits, you know, your Medicaid benefits. Um, we run child support, uh, justice policy and programs, um, and things of that nature. Got it. And so for those non-elected agency heads, you guys are also the ones who I imagine hire and fire whomever it is that's running them. Absolutely. Um, we are responsible for that. Um, currently is delegated to our county administrator. So you have three county commissioners. Uh, it's myself, Commissioner John O'Grady and Commissioner Kevin Boyce. Um, and then under us directly is who we appoint. Uh, his name is Ken Wilson. That is the county administrator. So more like our chief of staff um, and who kind of is the liaison between my office and my colleagues um, because we are a board of three, a quorum is two. Uh, so you know, we have to be aware all the time of open meetings uh, laws. But uh, just broadly speaking, in the state of Ohio, out of 88 counties, 86 counties have a three-person board like we have. The other two uh, is Cuyahoga County that has a county council who has a county executive that's like a mayor and then uh, council members who are uh, elected by a ward and then Summit County in Akron is the same thing. It is a county council structure. And why are those two? I can, I guess I understand the first one. Why uh, Summit County rather than Cincinnati? Um, the uh, voters decided to change that structure. Um, same in the Cuyahoga County just in the past several years did they change that there was some issues with elected offices um corruption and it went to the voters and the voters decided to change the structure of county government anything specifically unique about franklin county other than and you'll correct me if i'm wrong here the fact that we own a sports team we do we own a sports team uh which is that that is the one unique and pretty cool thing about being a commissioner here in uh, Franklin County, it is owned um, and operated through our Rex and Park uh, board. Um, and it's pretty awesome being a, a owner of a, a, a team and owning that property. The other thing that I would say that is unique to us, we are the largest county in the state. Um, we have a large budget. We operate about a $2 billion budget and we have a, a little more than 1.3 million residents. And talk about sort of your history personally, what brought you here, you know, high level, you were a member of the armed service, you've been an elected official before, but I'll, I just want evidence that I did a little research ahead <laughs> of this. But if you could walk me through sort of your background and what brought you to this point. Absolutely. I think my background, I say, um, is, you know, has a lot of detours and roundabouts and turns, but I am originally from Youngstown, Ohio, Northeast Ohio. Um, I was born and raised there um, and have I moved around a lot after I graduated from high school. I started out at Youngstown State, went to University of Toledo, dropped out, 
Um, and I, I tell that story. I, I am, a, I was a high school dropout. I mean, a college dropout. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. And, and went to the Navy. Um, I served active duty in the Navy from 2000 to 2003. Um, and then in the reserves from 2007 to 2008. Um, after I got out of the military, I um, found out I was pregnant soon after and gave birth to twin girls named Hope and Faith. They are now 18. Um, and then that helped me, just, like I ended up going back to school. I went to Cleveland State University, graduated in 2008 with a bachelor's degree in criminology with a focus on juvenile delinquency. I went on to get my master's degree in public administration. And what brought me to Columbus eight years ago was law school. Um, I came here from Atlanta uh, to Capital University Law School and decided to stay and raise my family here. Um, But it was in my last semester of my last year that I decided to, or the opportunity presented itself to run for office. Um, Prior to law school, most of my career had been in the nonprofit sector, helping child care centers get accredited on a national level. I worked with... um, CASA, Court Appointed Special Advocates for Children um, in the Juvenile Court, uh, working with children who have been abused and neglected, um, and then did a little work um, for a law firm, worked at the YMCA Head Start, Early Head Start program. So um, advocating on behalf of children and families is near and dear to my heart. And so when I was getting ready to graduate from law school, um, was looking to take my advocacy to the next level had not been involved politically and um, wanted to do so. Not necessarily run for office, but wanted to be more involved um, in registering people to vote or supporting candidates. Um, And at that time, a state representative had resigned effective immediately. And somebody sent me the dispatch article and was like, you should throw your hat in the ring. I was like, for state representative, I'm, I'm just trying to register people. <laughs> I'm just trying to register people to vote. Um, and, and so um, I talked to a few people, prayed on it, and I ended up putting my hat in the ring. Um, I did not get the appointment, which was fine. Um, it was a cool experience to go through. Um, and to make a very long story short, several months later, I'm just living my best life. Um, and uh, representative now, former minority leader, Amelia Sykes, had reached out to me and said, hey, folks were really impressed by you and your passion. Would you consider running for office um, again? Um, And I said, sure. Uh, And I ran for state rep in 2017, got elected in 2018, um, and then went into the Ohio House of Representatives representing East and Southeast Columbus in 2019 and served in the legislature for two and a half years before I resigned to take this appointment at the Board of Commissioners. And I guess I I didn't know that you had previously thrown your hat in the ring for a for a state rep seat, and I had kind of assumed there was almost like a mentor relationship surrounding your involvement in politics. And you're saying, no, that's not necessarily the case. There was not. I kind of came out of nowhere. I literally people tell me that all the time. Like you came out of the woodwork, um, and I said I I really didn't. I was involved in law school, but was in uh, like, and that took up a lot of my time. I was a full-time student and a single parent, but I was very involved mm-hmm. in the community, um, whether it was working with um, the VITA programs, helping people with their taxes, our aging residents, you know, file their taxes. Um, I would briefly uh, volunteer with the Legal Aid Society and their brief advice clinic over on the east side. 
um, worked at Faith Mission as a volunteer from time to time serving hot meals. Um, so I flew under the radar, you know, and that's, I guess, how it should be when you're like just trying to help your community, you know. Um, and so I was new to politics, but I wasn't new to public service and community service. Got it. And can you talk to me about your decision to put yourself up for that appointment to the commissioner seat? Yeah, um, you know, life comes at you fast. Uh, so I was like six months into my second term in the legislature, ranking member on finance, mm-hmm. like a huge leadership position, um, navigating the state's operating budget, a $74 billion budget. And then my predecessor, uh, Marilyn Brown, announced her retirement. Um, I think it was mm-hmm. announced on a Monday or Tuesday, and she was retiring that Friday. And, um, you know, Again, uh, folks reached out and was like, I know you're gonna put your hat in the ring. Like if anybody could do this job, it could be you. You've worked with the county as a legislator, working on their step up to quality initiative, um, health and human services, really your background. You know, you should, you know, throw your hat in the ring. And, and it took me some time to really um, decide that this is what I was going to do. Maybe about a week, or two, probably closer to two weeks, and people were calling. Um, and then when I started hearing some of the other names of folks, I was just like, whoa, mm-hmm. these people have been in politics way longer than I have. I've, I hadn't even been living here at that time, seven years. Um, but again, I prayed on it, talked to my family, and it was like, if I was going to make a jump to another seat, um, this would be it um, because of the work that we're doing. And I know we'll get into that. Um, so that's what I decided to do. I, I decided to, um, you know, have conversations with the members of my party because by law, the outgoing parties um, uh, is the one, the central committee members are the ones who um, nominates uh, or appoint mm-hmm. someone. And so did some heavy campaigning for six weeks made over, I don't even know, close to 700 phone calls um, mm-hmm. to, to you know, really um, ask people, you know, for their vote and try to uh, relay my passion for the community. Um, and luckily I was successful in that and, and won the votes to um, fill her, uh, Commissioner Brown's unexpired term. And I, just to put a little bit of emphasis on it. I don't know that I really have any questions around it, that it is party members, political party members that chose you to replace. It was the Central Democratic Party. Yes. Yeah. The it Central was... Committee for the Franklin County Democratic Party. Yes. Um, yes. Yep. That's Got who it. made the appointment. In addition to, so I, I don't want to say rubber stamp, but in addition to approving the uh, the budgets and sort of the administrative work of your office, can you talk through high level what the three of you sort of identify as, not that one thing is more important than the other, but what are the the goals and the, uh, the challenges that you guys face here in Franklin County that you're especially passionate about? Absolutely. So the day-to-day work um, is where, you know, we really get to make a difference and an impact. So we do approve the budgets for county for the county um, as a whole once a year. But every day we are, my colleagues and I are um, either in the community or having meetings with um, community-based organizations, nonprofits, um, small businesses, trying to understand the needs that they are facing um, and, you know, our, our neighbors, what, what are they facing? 
Um, so I would say the things that we are dealing with and we pass resolutions every Tuesday um, and we dole out a lot of money um, to efforts that surround um, really three particular areas. Um, housing is a huge uh, um, priority for us. Workforce mm -hmm. development. Um, we have a number of workforce development programs and I can talk more about that. And then I would say education, um, early childhood education is um, very important to our, our community. Um, and most of these things came out of our Rise Together Blue Poverty Blueprint. I don't know if you've heard of it, but um, back in 2017, 2018, the commissioners uh, decided to take a conversation to the community about what are the barriers, the systemic barriers that keep our neighbors from moving up an economic mobility ladder. So over a hundred focused uh, group conversations. Um, I think there were 27 different scheduled meetings, but in each of those meetings, a number of conversations happening, a mm -hmm. number of different stakeholders. Um, and out of that came our Rise Together Poverty Blueprint, which um, has 13 goals, over 120 action items on how we lift up our residents. Um, so people can really see themselves being able to live, work, and play here. Um, we give a lot of money to small businesses um, because we understand that small businesses is the economic engine of, honestly, our state, but definitely here in mm -hmm. Central Ohio. So I would say the three pillars, um, housing, workforce, education, but then also supporting our small and emerging businesses is like a fourth. So to be clear, you guys are taking action on the the programs for those pillars through your individual agencies um how, just so that i know yes. how big is the staff of the the commissioner's office properly um so under the board of commissioners we have about 1600 staff members um okay and then you know so we have the three commissioners and we have our own personal staff administration we have a county administrator and then three deputy county administrators who are all over their own agencies so you know job and family services the office on aging falls under the hhs or dog shelter um and like okay. economic development and planning falls under um uh in our sanitary sanitary engineers falls under uh eric janice and then like our public facilities management uh, fleet and all of you know um, those types of um, agencies falls under deputy county administrator chris long but yes any resolutions that we pass typically goes through the one of those agencies community partnerships is one of our bigger um departments where a lot of our health equity grants and work go through um that that department and is that reporting structure state mandated or is that something that like if one day you guys were like, maybe we make this flatter or maybe we have more branches to the tree? Is that something that you guys are able to change? We are. We are. Um, but by law, we do have to have like a director of job and family services. But other than that, okay. we could consolidate and which we're looking at right now with an, an initiative that we're calling One Door, um, where all of our HHS health and human services agencies will kind of be this one door model where if you're coming in 
um, to Job and Family Services, we are asking, you know, do you have um, a need for like the Office on Aging? Are you a caregiver or are you an aging resident? Um, are you in a kinship care program? So, you know, do you need help with child support? So people, what we saw is that in these agencies, we are typically seeing the same people and they're going from job and family services to get Medicaid. Then they got to go over to Office on Aging and fill out some more paperwork and get another case manager. But, oh, they have a child support issue. So then they got to go to child support and fill out another application and have a different case manager. Well, we were like, not doing anything to remove these barriers and people were getting frustrated by the process um, and then you know sometimes a lot of times just bowing out and saying you know what this is too much I, I can't do this I, I'm like just mm -hmm. trying to survive and so we're trying to figure out with this one dollar model how do we remove those barriers and make sure that our processes are more efficient and streamlined to serve our resident and then what do you feel like you personally are bringing to the office in terms of passion and what's important to you? Is it sort of getting down into the weeds? Is it delegating? Is it, I, cause you talked about service, right? Mm -hmm. Um, and you sort of facilitate the service almost now. Yes. Um, talk about sort of what you're bringing to the seat. So what I bring to the seat um, is a little more unique um, than what we have typically seen in this office when I am the youngest person, I think, ever to sit on the Board of Commissioners here in Franklin County. Um, I am appointed, and but should I be elected, I would be the first Black woman elected um, mm. ever in the history of the county to the Board of Commissioners. Uh, I am the first Black woman ever to serve as president of the Board of Commissioners. Um, obviously, there hadn't been anybody before. And right. so I bring that experience of just being um, a minority, a double minority um, in this seat. But I think more importantly than just my skin color um, and my gender, I bring lived experiences. And so the, you know, I am the people that I advocate for. I talk about pretty openly since I became a legislator and now a county official about my experience um, with food insecurity. I talk about housing okay. instability um, and my experiences there. I am a single parent of twin girls. Um, and so I bring that experience of being a single parent and being like one flat tire away from a crisis. Um, I talk about being a veteran and dealing with a depression and anxiety and not being able to get the services that I need um, as a veteran. So I, I think I bring a lot of lived experiences to this space, um, which relate to the people that we serve. But I also am, you know, have some someone who has three degrees, um, highly mm -hmm. educated, um, legally trained, and I bring that level of um, detail, like attention to detail. I can't get in the weeds. Data is my best friend. Um, and so, uh, you know, I'm, I'm asking the hard questions of staff and administrators to make sure that everything that we do from a financial perspective is really trying to get to that end goal and the objective that our community say that would make a difference for them. Um, and so are we being good stewards of our money, which we are, uh, we have awesome people here. Um, and, mm -hmm. and so, so yeah, I, I think those are the nuances that I bring um, to this board with the two great men that I serve with. I think it's great that you're able to bring an intersectional perspective to your work. Do you, uh, can you give an example maybe of 
how you've brought it specifically in the job, maybe in a specific circumstance or situation? Absolutely. Um, from a time when I was the leg- in the legislature advocating for um, increased eligibility for child care, I was really trying to help um, people understand as the only single parent in the House of Representatives out of 99 members who was like, hey, mm. like we need to address the benefits cliff. Um, I was a parent who um, was spending $250 a week, so $1,000 a month on childcare, um, and was only mm. making $32,000 a year, right? And so being in a place of having more month than money and having to make some crucial d- decisions. Um, they didn't get mm-hmm. that in the state house. Some of my colleagues did, but the majority did not. Here, intersectionality, I bring the same experience, the same um, example, but now I get to create a program called Franklin County Rise, which was a $24 million investment in childcare, historic. We've never seen it, never had that here in the state. Um, and for the most part, any county across the country had not made that mm-hmm. investment. And what that does primarily was hit the people um, who were dealing with the benefits cliff, where if they made a dollar more, then they can lose all of their benefits when it comes to, Mm. and then not being able to afford childcare when we're in a crisis. Um, And so I think it was my own lived experience, me understanding the the, um, positions that families are put in, or especially single parents, trying to make more money to provide for their families, but then having the bottom fall out and not having supports and then being put in a crisis, um, but now being in a position where I could do something about it and help families kind of get ahead. Well, and that makes sense, right? It's a gra- It's similar to a graduated tax system. It's not mm-hmm. like you all of a sudden make this much more money and so all your money is taxed by that same amount. Thank you. First of all, thank you for your time today. I end every interview by asking what folks they believe Columbus is doing well. In your case, I'll go ahead and extend that to Central Ohio uh, and what they believe Central Ohio is not doing so well. Absolutely. Um, I talk about this all the time um, in some of these spaces that we're trying to uh, really deal with the growth um, of Central Ohio. So what we're doing well is um, we are able to attract Um, a younger, more progressive population um, to this region. We are attracting businesses, large and small. Um, We see Mm -hmm. Intel, which will be like the largest in the world, um, Mm -hmm. to, you know, people being able to see their own dreams be realized and start start, have a startup or a new business. We are doing that really well. I think where we're not doing as good as we could is really tackling the housing crisis um, and making sure okay. that we have enough housing stock. And we are still we are still in a place where um, the city of Columbus being the largest municipality um, in Franklin County, which by the way, for those who don't know, we have like 36 municipalities, no 42 um, municipalities between cities, townships and villages here um, uh, under in Franklin County, but city of Columbus is the largest. It is still one of the most economic segregated cities um, in the country Um, Mm -hmm. and where people who are coming here or who live here, especially if they are black and brown, are not experiencing um, shared prosperity 
um, like other individuals who live here or, or are moving here. Um, and so I think we can do a better job in making sure that everyone is able to thrive and not just survive. And we've certainly heard similar sentiments to from other folks that we've talked to recently. So Commissioner Crawley, I really appreciate your time and have a great week. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me and you do the same. Have a wonderful week. Thank you for listening to the Confluence Cast presented by Columbus Underground. Again, you can get more information on what we discussed today in the show notes for this episode at theconfluencecast.com. Please rate, subscribe, share this episode of the Confluence Cast with your friends, family, contacts, enemies, your favorite elected official. If you're interested in sponsoring the Confluence Cast, get in touch with us. We can be reached by email at info at theconfluencecast.com. Our theme music was composed by Benji Robinson. Our producer is Philip Cogley. I'm your host, Tim Fulton. Have a great week. Thank you.